Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team swings and hits it deep get up baby get up get up it's a grand slam oh a green slam home run for Yadier Molina he touches the ball now Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby and the countdown to opening day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals radio network happy 2019 and welcome to the first of the year edition of Cardinals countdown to opening day presented by Amron Along with Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby, Ben Boyd, our executive producer, Mike Anderson, here in our network studios, and it is great to have, for our first show of the calendar year, in the house with us, Rick Hummel, the commish, the Hall of Famer, and Rick Horton, the commish of Fantasy Camp. Hey, I'm just excited that we are in the opening day lineup, or at least for 2019. That's Rick, important. We are both here. I'm excited about it. I'm glad to put it together. Yeah, Claib's in uh, pen. Well, My buddy. this we is an opening day. You were an opening day starter. I'm not that, yeah. You were an opening day starter at one point in your career. I, yeah, we weren't very good. Yes, that's, that's right, I was. But it wasn't because of you, though. <laughs> well, look, look at it that it. way. Well, pale holes, yeah. <laughs> it's great to have you guys with us. And uh, as soon as the calendar turns to January, it's like everything comes rapid fire. And in just two and a half weeks, we'll be downtown all weekend for Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up. Klebs and I were talking in our last segment that one of the highlights of that weekend is always uh, the Baseball Writers' Dinner. Such a tremendous event here in St. Louis and only a couple left uh, around the country. It's Sunday, January 20th at Union Station Hotel. We're going to talk all about it. You can go to MetroTix.com, MetroTix.com, or call 534-1111. And, wow, uh, Kamish, it is just an incredible lineup you guys have celebrating not just Cardinals, but Major League Baseball past and, and present and in the future as well. Well, we're, we're real happy to get Lee Smith as one of our latest acquisitions, as it were, I guess. Uh, most recent uh, Hall of Famer, along with Harold Baines, voted on um, last month at the winter meetings. And he was look, looking very forward to coming back here. Um, was an extremely popular player here and everywhere else he played, as, as Mike and I were talking a little while ago. Um, but that'll be a, a, that's a big hit for us, and and Mrs. Roberto Clemente's widow Vera Clemente will be on hand to accept an award from Branch Ricky the Third. Well, think wow. of the think of the connection there. That's you great. Know? Uh, uh, and Miles Michaelis and and Matt Carpenter are the co-players of the year. Uh, Michaelis also wins the Daryl Kyle Award. He's a, a good year for him. Um, we, we've got a theme of honoring a lot of rookies that were serviceable, more than serviceable, very important to this team last year, including Bader Flaherty. Jordan Hicks, Munoz, 
and Mike Schilt. I explained to Mike Schilt he's going to be considered in the rookies category. He's very happy with that. He's okay with that. Um, Stubby Clapp will be honored, and then we're going to honor the PGA, including Ozzie Smith, for what the what great show they put on this summer. Um, Stubby Clapp will be honored. Uh, Keith Hernandez will come back on the 40th anniversary of his MVP and batting champion year. And I think we're going to have Bill Verdon, who is the oldest living hmm. Cardinals Rookie of the Year, 1954, I believe it was for him. He'll come up in Springfield for that. So it uh, it should be a great uh, a great show. I mean, I oh, love and the- Bob Costas. I don't want to forget Bob Costas here, who's the the uh, going to win the Red Shandings Medal and another recent Hall of Famer too. I love the how it's spread out where you cover a lot of bla- bases for different generations. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's something for everyone. We think so. We think so. And uh, I know there's a lot of stuff going on that weekend, and, and it's everybody's not. Can't be in every place, but I hope they allow them to be in our place. We'd love we'd love to be uh, be a full house for that night, Rick. I know you've been a part of decades of of this particular event. I've been to more than I can count as well, and and I never leave there uh, without feeling overjoyed about uh, my love for the St. Louis baseball community and the fans that are there. It, it really is a a terrific event. It's very well done, uh, and I'm excited. Uh, the first guy you mentioned, Lee Smith, was a former teammate of mine. Actually, Harold Baines was as well. So both guys going in uh, to the Hall of Fame I had a, had the honor of playing with. But Lee, we've been talking about for years in St. Louis uh, and ac- across the Midwest and Cardinal fan base that Lee Smith should be in the Hall of Fame, and now he is. So I think it's a great time to go out and make him feel even more uh, energetic, overjoyed, and appreciated uh, right here in St. Louis. You've been so gracious to us in, in helping us with the interviews and, and everything else that they're in fact stepping in to be the MC one year when John Rooney had some family situations that came up, but uh, I'm sure that was fun for you. Oh, I, and I do, I love <laughs> it. I mean, I think it's it's an easy thing to MC. There's plenty of guys there. You just have to wind them up and toss them the Turn ball. Them there they go. <laughs> at least Smith's. At least Smith's. No that different. might go anywhere. When yeah, he, when I think. He, yeah. What, well, what question are you going to ask him first? Because um, you want to do that one. I'm I sure. really do want to do that one. Yeah, there's certain guys that I'm a little afraid of, but uh, I always say that about Bob Gibson. I always tell him I'm afraid of him. In fact, I said that last year. I said, Bob, I want you to know that I'm that I'm still afraid of you. And he said, that's your problem. <laughs> that's what he said. So, so there'll be some lighthearted moments at this. It's not just the baseball stats and and, and day, but it's but it really is a celebration of the game. And uh, Raves, as you said at the beginning, January becomes that time where we start doing that with not only the the baseball writers dinner but the winners warm up the uh the fantasy camp down in florida the caravan i mean it's all packed in january and you know i think that and we're going to talk so much and i want to get into some of the hall of fame and, and lee but just in looking at this group that you guys have this year with you and again you can go to metrotix.com or call 534-1111 looking at the group right now <laughs> And the team that Mike Schilt is bringing back, Kamish, I'm wondering because I know the last few years there have been disappointments and disappointments about not making the postseason. But when you look at who the Cardinals are bringing back and you look at the fact that in the top 10, you had an MVP in a Matt Carpenter who finished 10th, who picked up votes as high as third place. Miles Michaelis, who finished sixth in Cy Young, who picked up a third place vote. Manager of the year, Mike Schilt, finished fourth, picked up a couple of second-place votes. And Rookies of the Year, and Jack Flaherty, who finished sixth, and Harrison Bader, or Flaherty finished fifth, Bader finished sixth, both got third-place votes. That's pretty remarkable for a team that's been on the outside and has maybe done some transformation of its roster. you got a lot of guys who received a lot of votes for some hardware there. Every major award by the Baseball Writers Association. 
Well, you're right, and I think people forget that this team won 88 games. That's a lot of ball games. To, uh, I think it won 88, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and um, that's not that far from being a championship team, probably five or six wins. I think mid-90s is what you think should get you into the playoffs every year. And the natural progression of all the rookies you just touched on here, besides Dakota Hudson and, and Hicks and a few other guys too, you know, M- Munoz, uh, the young pitching they have, and some of the old pitching they have. With um, Martinez is cut as an older pitcher now, he's going to have to be better, and I think he will be. Uh, Waka was having a great season, and that was the biggest loss to me of anybody they lost during the year. Or didn't or guys didn't perform up to their level? Is on track to be an all-star. He, when he was eight and two on June twenty second, never pitched another down for the Cardinals. He tried in the minors to come back, and he kept having trouble. Um, so I, I think. He was and he was an eighteen game winner in, in my mind that last year. And if he if he finishes the season, they they're in the playoffs. And Alex Reyes, who put up almost incomparable numbers, dominant numbers, albeit in the minor leagues, but rehabbing. And Rick to see him get sidetracked again with with injury. Maybe he's getting rookie of the year votes this year. But that's another guy. I mean, we talk about the pitching they have, but the pitching they've lost has been staggering the last few seasons. I thought that Alex Reyes was the biggest loss two seasons ago when he went down. I thought, boy, this team, what would they have been with the Alex Reyes that we expected to see in the rotation? He was so good the year before that. As his rookie year, he was just dominating, and he was a guy that you couldn't wait to see get into a ball game when yeah. he was being used out of the pen. You thought, this guy is a can't-miss guy, and then first day of spring training, we found out he's not there, so... I thought he was a big miss two years ago. This year he's a big miss, but maybe we weren't quite sure what to expect because of the injury. So I still think there's a huge upside for him. This guy's a this guy's a horse. This guy, when you stand next to him and watch him throw a bullpen, hmm. he does it like other people do not. I mean, he's throwing yeah. it harder. He's got a big, solid body and good he's strong, good movement, mm-hmm. nasty slider. I mean, he's got the whole package to me. So uh, you know, I think one thing when you look at the Cardinals, Claves, uh, I'd be interested in your thought about this. The you know we talk about the Cardinals. You know, did they add enough? Well, they didn't lose anybody, really. You think about teams around baseball and you say, wow, they got him and him and him. Yeah, but they also lost three other hymns. And so they're treading water to be at that point. The Cardinals, on the other hand, have all these young players who are locked in, and there's nobody gone that you're really going to be too worried about. And yet you've got these two great uh, acquisitions that could be a big plus. Well, they're certainly in a plus position compared to teams certainly in their division. I I think that... The, the experience some of these kids got, I think, is good, just going to be just incredibly beneficial to them because they had to learn on the fly. Mm-hmm. And remember, a lot of these kids were winners in other elements of the organization. I always felt we needed more winning players, people who knew how to win. And I think with the baptism of fire that they dealt with this year, I think that will make them better all around. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Plenty to talk about with this year, uh, the upcoming Cardinals Club, but also who we're going to see at the Baseball Writers Dinner Sunday, January 20th, Union Station Hotel. Get your tickets now, metrotix.com, or call 534-1111. Hey, also don't forget that you can make your plans to head south this winter for sunny skies, warm beaches, and Cardinals baseball. Packages available to fit everyone's schedule and budget. Make your reservations at cardinals.com slash vacations. Or call 1-800-892-7687. We're back with more in a moment. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne, joined by Rick Hummel and Rick Horton in studio. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Ameren, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. 
Cardinals 5, 6, and 10-game ticket packs are on sale now and feature 2019's top games and promotional dates. Choose from the opening day pack, the jersey pack, the bobblehead pack, Cubs pack, and more. Ticket packs start at just $79. Get yours at cardinals.com slash packs. We're joined in studio by Rick Hummel and Rick Horton. The Baseball Writers' Dinner coming up Sunday, January 20th at Union Station Hotel. Go to metrotix.com or call 534 534- 11-11, you know, and mentioning uh, the acquisitions guys for this year, Paul Goldschmidt and Andrew Miller. Um, I've been thinking a lot about Lee Smith and, and heading to the Hall of Fame and commission Rick and, and Claves. Just looking at Andrew Miller, some of the talk about his workload and some of the questions about his workload. Holy cow, you want to talk about workload, look at Lee Smith and the handful of times, Rick, that he was not only coming on to save games but was pitching a hundred plus innings or ninety plus innings. That was, you know, with regularity. I think only him and Mariano Rivera really the workload over the number of seasons is is about as close as you can find. I think he had like a hundred and sixty five or seventy saves in more than one inning out of the four hundred and seventy eight <laughs> he had. And and one year he had like eight or nine of three innings. We actually had to bat once in a while too, which was an experience. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you could throw Bruce Suter into that mix, too, as another guy that had sure. a lot of innings for a reliever. But uh, the worst part about Lee Smith is he pitched about 30% of those innings in the dark at yes. Wrigley Field yeah. before they had lights. And, you know, he comes in and strolling in as slow as possible in the eighth and ninth inning. And, he'd get and penalized today if he had and, to come to oh ball. Oh, Unbelievable. Yeah, uh, yeah he'd, be, he'd be fine for sure. But... Uh, but he was nasty uh, when it got uh, got to twilight at Wrigley. Let me, you know what? I always tell people that same thing when they ask about Lee Smith. I say, go ask a hitter who had to face Lee Smith with no lights and dusk is about to set in. And then, you know, he used to load it up a little bit with a little act, Jerry Curl activator. <laughs> so he was impossible to hit. Now, here's a question that I ask I both you guys. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Just, just, yeah, yeah, just yeah, whatever it takes. Um, Question for both you guys: What had what if Lee Smith had thrown inside more? How many saves do you think he would have had? Well, he said he's heard that from a lot of people, notably Mike Schmidt, and uh, and Lee, of course, said, "Well, why don't you tell me that when I was playing?" <laughs> <laughs> but he, no, he, no he thinks he would have had over five hundred saves. But he goes back to he says Fergie Jenkins is the one guy who taught me how to pitch, and Fergie Jenkins never threw inside either. He always threw on the outside with a slider ball, and he's in the Hall of Fame, so good enough for him, good enough for me. So let me take it to this next question. How did the writers blow it in in not voting him in uh, before now? Well, he was getting close. He was up to about 50.6%, needing 75% of the vote. And then the steroids-era guys started to come on the ballot. Sosa, McGuire, Mm -hmm. Bonds, Clemens, Palmero, whoever, you know. Um, and while none of those guys got in, they did take up a lot of votes, you know, Clemens. And, even and, steroid-era guys, Bijo yeah. Bagwell. Yeah. Sure, sure. Piazza. And maybe the conversation was was even more about during that time, who are we going to not vote for yeah. as opposed to Good who point. we going to vote for. So Smith didn't get, you know, the natural rise. He he started descending like he got worse. Of course, he was getting older, but still he got worse. <laughs> he went from 50 to 40s. And it does up happen. And up in yeah, the 40s, I've heard you know? about uh, that. And, but... What tells me the esteem in which he's held was there were 16 voters on this panel at the winter meetings in Las Vegas, and he got all 16 votes. And we're talking about club owners. We're talking about general managers. We're talking about mm-hmm. all, Hall of Fame players, Hall of Fame managers like Tony and Joe Torrey. Uh, and he got every vote. 
and that and, usually doesn't happen. But they all saw him pitch too. Yeah. And I know, like there was one member who wanted to bring up ERA, but those guys actually saw his impact on the game, and I think that was important. And I, I think that's where I think a lot of writers just look at the numbers and maybe didn't talk to enough people or maybe didn't see him work because had he seen him work, they probably would have had a different opinion. You mentioned that Wrigley Field. The writers often had to go leave the press box, which is high up above Wrigley Field, and go down and sit in the box seats behind the Cubs' dugout to get onto the field at the end of the game to go to the Cardinals' clubhouse, which was upstairs again. He had to walk through the dugout, a bunch of steps up. And I got down there, and Lee Smith is pitching. It's about 4.30, 4.45. And George Hendricks in the on-deck circle shaking his head. He knows he's (laughs) got no chance. And I'm looking at that, and I'm saying, he has got no chance. It was dark. It was really dark. And he struck him out, game over, bingo, on the field upstairs. I think it's been accurately described, guys, as because of the amount of players and guys who played in the steroid era, even guys who were not necessarily ever implicated with steroids, Jeff Bagwell took him seven years on the ballot to get in. Tim Raines, famously, a decade on the ballot, so many championed his cause to get in. Um, you had, you know, Trevor Hoffman, three go-rounds. Vladimir Guerrero, a couple of go-rounds because some guys don't want to vote certain guys in first ballot. It's been described as a front log that you've got so many qualified players through no fault of maybe a voter. We could sit here and we could include Lee Smith or we could not include Lee Smith. And you could come up with 10 guys every year and more than 10 guys every year who are more than qualified to get in. And it's a shame that because of that, Someone like Jimmy Edmonds falls off after the first year. I'm right. not saying he should be voted into the Hall of Fame. That's a different discussion. But the fact that he falls off, Rick, after one year, I think is just a testament to how front-logged this process is. I think you're very right about that. And I also think there's a, a kind of an inherent uh, issue of it being subjective, too. So you're you're going to talk, and you mentioned that as well, but you're going to have a writer that will say, well, look, he played in Colorado, so I'm not going to go with Larry Walker. But yet he might not say... I'm going to vote for Lee Smith, who had to pitch in Wrigley Field with the wind blowing out most of his career. So, I mean, so it's very subjective based on what kind of feeling you have about the, is longevity more important or is being being an absolute star for a few years. Sandy Koufax was the best pitcher on the planet for a very short period of time, and he got arm issues and was out very, very young, did not play a long time. But... Everybody who saw him knew that Sandy Koufax is a Hall of Famer. So the the and nobody cared about what place he was pitching in at that time. So again, that's years and years ago. But I think it's we've become so savvy about it, and there's so much information out there on the internet that we're all kind of picking and choosing what variables, Rick, we like the best. Well, we're coming to a, a, a spot this year now yep. where Ted Simmons is going to name his name is going to come up on the next Veterans Committee ballot, and. Unlike Lee Smith, who got 50% of the vote, Ted Simmons got 3.7% of the vote the only year he was on the ballot. And that means that about 435 of the 450 people who voted on that election did not vote for Ted Simmons as one of their top 10. Now think about, roll that around in your head yeah, a little bit. Yeah, good point. And, and now that he... It was one vote short in Orlando last year. Yeah, and you know he, on that committee were... Don Sutton and Robin Young, who played with them in the 82 Milwaukee Brewers Club, which got to the World Series. So that that helped. 
as, as Baines was helped by La Russa and Reisdorf. Now, help. The 10 other guys voted for Baines, too, besides yeah. those two. Baines is going to open the door for what you're talking about, though, Rabes, is how many guys had careers like Harold Baines that are now in that logjam of people that maybe but, should you know, be in there. I think in Baines's case, you know, being part of a lockout, you know, because he would have been a 3,000-hit guy. He went no through doubt. two strikes. Yeah, two. Right. That's right. Yeah. Both. Yeah. So he, I, I think, you know, health, whatever, he was a 3,000-hit guy, so he would have no gone question. in. And, and, a, and a great teammate. I yeah. Mean, I, and I can speak for him, and I was thrilled that he got in. Absolutely thrilled. You have the variable of uh, didn't play defense all the time, too. Mm-hmm. And so that is weighed differently for different voters as well. And and how, how important is defense? I mean, we know uh, by being fans of the St. Louis Cardinals that Ozzie Smith – you know, defended his way to the Hall of Fame. Now, he also had to hit to get there. But but by far the best player uh, on the defensive side in the game for an entire decade, yeah, yeah. and he earned it. But I think that w- what what's great about the game the now, <laughs> we're, right. dealing, we're dealing now with people who have a specialty skill where they're the best at what they do. With Baines and, and Edgar Martinez being the best DHs, we've witnessed Bruce Souter and we're going to see Rivera and Lee Smith, the best closers I think we're going to specialize this thing, which is fine with me, because, you know, I don't expect a, a closer to be a good good hitter. <clears throat> I don't expect certain guys to do things that you know they're not expected to do. But if they're really really good at that aspect, then you got to go in. I can't wait till we get down to the level of we're, we're picking the guy who's the best at picking a guy off of first base. Now, that, <laughs> that, then I'm going to be back in we'll, the conversation. We'll all be gone by there, Ricky. <laughs> yeah. I hope. I hope. Yeah, it's Cardinal. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne, joined by Rick Hummel and Rick Horton. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back. Plenty more to come as the guys are hanging out in studio this hour. Back in a moment on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Hey, don't forget, winter warm-up Saturday, January 19th through Monday, January 21st. Purchase warm-up admission tickets and autographed tickets at cardinals.com slash WWU. Rick Hummel and Rick Horton with us in studio. Part of that weekend is the Baseball Writers' Dinner. Sunday, January 20th at Union Station Hotel. You can go to metrotix.com or call 534-1111 for tickets. metrotix.com or 534-1111. For tickets, give us guys an idea if someone hasn't been to a baseball writer's dinner or rattling off the incredible lists of players that are going to be there, guys that have been there in the past. But the stories, the intimate setting, and kind of getting to see a lot of these players of present and past commish with, I don't necessarily say they're guard down, but it's a different environment. And I'm always amazed at just some of the stuff we hear. We think we know these guys. Some of the stuff we hear from these guys you've never heard before. Well, lately, and this was McCarver's idea, about three or four years ago, we were honoring the 64 team and then the 67 team and the 68 team or whatever, and Bob Gibson. It was his idea to have small panel discussions with trained professionals such as yourselves and Rick Horton doing that uh, and drawing these guys out even further rather than giving a guy a piece of hardware than having him stand before the microphone and utter a few platitudes and sit down. This is People really enjoyed this other scenario a lot better and I think you enjoy participating oh my goodness I maybe chirp their former teammates a little bit there's a little bit of that that goes on (laughs) and they and they start to interact with one another and you start to get that flavor for what it was like in 1964 or or what it's like to be uh, a solid rookie player in the case of one of the panels we'll have this year Uh, but that particular I did not know that was Tim McCarver's idea does not surprise me because you talked about 
the trained professional actually leading that interview, I think all I said, because Mike Shannon was on that same panel, I think all I said is, Mike, Tim, how was it? <laughs> and then 25 minutes later, I said, back to you, John. I think that's about how that went. But some of the great lines that come across, we had the 64 guys, and I think Euchre and Shannon and Gibson and McCarver were sitting there. And Gibson turns to Euchre and says, were you on that team? And he might have meant that. <laughs> uh, locker room talk is always good. But but I, another thing I think happens, Raves, back to kind of the why is it so relaxed. I think players during the season – uh, particularly the current guys, obviously, they, they get so kind of in a little bubble, they're afraid to really let you in. But, you know, you think about a guy like, you know, Jack Flaherty, who's had a chance to maybe digest what was that season really like? Or Mike Schilt, what was that really like to be the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals? I mean, that is a that is a huge, heady deal that he probably didn't feel very much for the three months that he did it because he had too much work to do. And so now you get some time to reflect, and I think they, they, they get a little bit more... I'm not going to say sentimental, but they, I think they have maybe a more philosophical and kind of a, a, a grander uh, explanation for the great things that they were involved with. You know, I think I agree with you, Ricky. Uh, they've had a chance to digest it, throw in the fact this is their first encounter with a lot of their baseball family, and they get a chance to share it. And, and as you said, they're in a more relaxed environment. There's no game to be played. But they have a chance to kind of tell you what they thought about how things have gone, and this is their first time sharing it with us. Yeah, and, and it's kind of a rush, too, to come back to, from, from from an off-season that's full of working out, mm-hmm. you know, taking out the trash, paying your bills, catching up on all the things you didn't do for, for three months, mm-hmm. and you have a very, I'm going to say, normal life. I mean, baseball is, is, is obviously a different lifestyle, and there's you're dealing with the notoriety all day, but they've been away from that yeah. for, for three or four months. And, you know, you don't always love it every day while you're getting it, but you sure do miss it yeah. after three months. So I think I think their appreciation of a moment and a night like this, Rick, is is part of what's special about it. I want to see what Lee Smith says to Jordan Hicks. Huh. That's going to be a oh. conversation. You've got <laughs> Lee Smith, who doesn't shut up, and Jordan Hicks. Doesn't say anything. Six, but, Make sure but, they're sitting together. But Jordan Hicks will ask him a question at some point, and then Lee Smith will have that answer and many more. Yeah. They'll be t- you might take need an interpreter for Lee. But that's a good idea about the seating yeah. chart. I like that. As, as we know about Lee, uh, you might need an interpreter for Jordan, this is too. Because yeah. Lee, Lee has the Cajun kind of accent to him, and took me a while as a teammate of his to... I had, I had to ask Ken Daly what he said about half a dozen times. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, finally not sure. got it straight. I'm not sure how often Jordan Hicks is riding around in the tractor this offseason. <laughs> no. <laughs> or out with no cell phone reception, but that would be a pair of uh, nasty righties coming out of the bullpen. Cliffs now we're talking last hour, guys, about Andrew Miller from the left side, Jordan Hicks from the right side, that kind of off-speed stuff, not to mention the fastballs and uh, kind of the one-two punch there. You throw Lee Smith into the mix, that'd be downright scary. It would be. Lee had Lee had a unhittable slider. I happened to see uh, on 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 Twitter uh, kind of a montage of, of several oh. of his sliders in a row. And uh, a guy that I follow does that uh, regularly. It just kind of shows some of the best pitches ever. And you look at those, you think, how in the world do you hit that? I yeah. mean, it had it late, sharp, hard movement, and that's uh, what makes a slider unhittable. If he'd thrown a palm ball, you, he, his whole hand would have been yeah. over the ball. You could have yeah. seen it. It was like <laughs> throwing a golf ball for him. You know, it, it's funny, uh, Rick, and I'll ask you, these dinners have brought people together for so many years. Is there one night in particular that you remember? Uh, because we don't have many of these events anymore, but is there any one night that stood out for you as far as player interaction? 
Well, I think this the sixty four team for player interaction when Gibson, McCarver, and Euchre and Brock was there and Red. Wow. Uh, um, uh, Shannon, uh, uh, Dick Rote was there. Yeah. A long time shortstop, you know, uh, on those on the Pittsburgh and Cardinals teams. The most memorable dinner might have been the one time we had 2,200 people crammed into that old Millennium Hotel of Clarion or whatever mm. you want to call it over there. And the fire marshals were none too pleased with, <laughs> with that development. <laughs> you gave them a couple of signed baseballs. Yeah. <laughs> and the waiters were rocking around like they had their arms on their side. They couldn't move anywhere. We don't know? count as a, as a number in here. Speaking <laughs> for the ex-players, yeah, there's, a, there's a piece of this night, too, that um, the thing I remember is Jeff Lottie being a part of a, a celebration uh, of the 85 team. And, and, and Jeff Lottie um, is, has been out of St. Louis for a long time. So I, I felt through his emotions reliving the fact that he was a part of something special that he doesn't get to be a part of on a regular basis. So the guys that come in from out of town, I, I love that part of it because, yeah. they, you know, they, they, they step back into, yeah. wow, this is my family. And it just can be a magical, magical uh, moment. Let's take one more final break. I do want to come back and talk a little bit more about this year's team uh, and about what we might see over the rest of this offseason. We'll do that next with Rick and Rick. And again, go to MetroTix.com. Or call 534-1111. Get your ticks before the fire marshals step in for the Baseball Writers' Dinner. Sunday, January 20th. We're back in a moment in the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Don't forget the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team returns to Bush Stadium on May 16th. Tickets on sale now, cardinals.com slash soccer. We're back hanging out with Rick Hummel and Rick Horton, the Baseball Writers' Dinner, Sunday, January 20th at Union Station Hotel. Go to MetroTix.com or call 534-1111. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the club and, and what we expect, guys. And obviously the Paul Goldschmidt acquisition followed by the Andrew Miller signing, a couple of big moves. Uh, and both of your eyes right now on paper we mentioned 88 wins. You're bringing back a whole lot of talent. Kamish, how much, if at all, improved is this team right now on paper for Mike Schilt compared to the team he had the last couple of months of last season? Well, one of the hidden elements is how good Goldschmidt is at first base. Not only does he make plays, but he also handles Aaron throws. He makes saves, everyone yeah, better. He right? saves the end. 100%. There hasn't been a good first baseman over there since Albert played over there. And that's, we're coming up on nine years now since he last played there, or eight years anyway, right? Yeah. And, uh, and no offense how, to Matt Holiday's short how many pick, How many pickoff throws sailed in the right field? Or how many times? Oh, you know, poor Martinez right. was so big, he took up most of the bag and he couldn't get out of the way if he was yeah. somebody was trying to get over there. But what about the pickoff throws over there? Oh, the, 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 one a game would yeah. sail in mean, that sail post dispatch right tarp down exactly. there, you know? And uh, so uh, that, that's, and plus he can get balls to his right. Plus, then Juan can get balls to his left. There shouldn't be any ground balls getting through there. You might have the best right side of the infield in the National League, if not baseball. And Matt Carpenter's been serviceable at third, and when he's not serviceable throwing, he's now throwing to Paul Goldschmidt, and Gonna I think we've him. seen Paul DeYoung take some steps, too. So, And your from, catcher's pretty good, and your yeah, center fielder's pretty good, from too. From a prevention so standpoint. You're going to be good up the middle. Yeah, yeah, good up the middle, which, of course, is the old baseball adage, and you don't have to tell Cardinal fans that defense matters because uh, Cardinal fans have known that for a very long time, and, and I think it's been frustrating uh, in in recent memory of, of seeing too many errors, too many errant throws, and I think... Uh, what Rick said is absolutely right. Goldschmidt's going to help that. And, you know, I think the Cardinals have taken a couple of steps back up that ladder. You know, they, I think they fell down a couple steps. 
and then we're back up to that point where you're saying, would you say on paper there's they're exactly as good as uh, as the Cubs are right now? I'm not I'm not sure you can say that, but I don't know that they're done yet. I like one, their pitching better, but than I, like I like their the pitching Cubs. a whole lot better. Yeah. And and I, certainly you you have optimism galore going into the season. I think that's a, that's what we want. We want that chance to play in October again. And and I, I've I've been impressed with the two signings and Andrew Miller. Of course, health is going to be the question that is the you know. Biggest question of all because we don't know. But if he puts up numbers like he did two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, and five years ago, uh, he's lights out when he's right. Competition this year, we're going to see it in the bullpen in spring training, and I think competition for the fourth outfielder. Right? I know Tyler O'Neill had a a good season, but I think they've got some other guys that we may have to take a long, hard look at. Not to mention having competition for a left-handed back coming off the bench. Well, competition is a good thing, and, and I think competition will, will, will bring somebody to the forefront the way it brought Jose Martinez to the forefront mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And, you know, we said he's not the best of defensive players, but the but the guy can flat-out hit. Can hit. I mean, 300 <laughs> hitter last year. I mean, this he is a valuable commodity, and, you know, he's a kind of easy guy to forget about. And then you look up there and you realize he's hitting gappers and and now you're hitting them in the middle of the lineup. In the ninth inning, off a of closers, too, right? By exactly, the way. and and he can turn on a fastball. I mean, he, he's a he's a he's a good, very good, uh, solid major league hitter. And and maybe the competition will bring that out in somebody that we're not even thinking about at the moment. But uh, you know, for for I think Tyler O'Neill, the question will come down to. How is he best served in his development? Is is he going to be a guy that is? Will you say, you know what, he's absolutely ready, uh, or is he a guy that could use a little bit more seasoning, put the ball in play more, you know, not strike out as much, and you know that that's to be determined. Here, here's the the challenge that guys like O'Neill have. It, when you talk about seasoning, he's not going to see enough breaking balls in the minors, and that's how you get him out. I mean, you throw him fastballs, he'll hurt you, but you know he's not seeing enough breaking balls in the minor leagues that he can really develop uh, the the shortcomings of his game. So he's kind of stuck on what you do with him in that situation. Well, I think part of this, too, is is when you evaluate what a guy is doing in the minor leagues, what's the first thing you ask about? Home runs, mm-hmm. RBIs, maybe on-base percentage. We're, I think we're savvy to that, of course, and batting average. Uh, but you're not asking about defense. You're probably not asking about base running. And you're probably not asking about strikeout percentage as, as often as probably we should. And I think, to, to me, that's the thing he's got to get better at. Probably Bader would be another guy that needs to cut down on on, on, on too many uh, swings and misses. And, you know, not that, you know, I understand the game has, has gone to the long ball, and that's that's where we are. But... I still think there are times where you need to put the ball in play, yeah. especially when you're a guy that runs like Bader and O'Neill. O'Neill's fast, yeah. and so uh, he's got to, again, make more contact. There are two things on my mind about the offense. One is, is it possible to go with 12 pitchers and keep Jose Martinez on your bench? Is that possible in this day and age? Maybe it's not. Yeah. And secondly, What's Dexter Fowler going to be? Because mm-hmm. he controls a lot of the answers to the, some of the questions you just raised here. I mean, maybe Dexter Fowler's a fourth outfielder. We don't know. Or maybe he's not an outfielder at all. Or maybe he's a third outfielder. We don't know. Well, we've seen that 12 pitchers on the bench isn't really the, the, even the, the ceiling because you've got 12 on your team and you've got another eight in Memphis that are, that are a, a plane flight away, yeah, and, and yeah. they'll use that. And that happens quite a bit during the season. Talk about that with Mo. I, I would hate to give Jose Martinez away. A guy who is your best hitter. Yeah, you can't, right. you can't right. give him away just because you feel like you've got to give him away. No, you, you know, yeah. unless you're right. making this team better. Yeah, I'm not just going to give that guy away because talked earlier. Guys that do one thing very, very well 
He gets on base. He's an energy guy, well, too. He wasn't awful in right. He was awful at first base. He was, he yeah. was not awful in you know, right field. Really, I think he may have had one of the best throwing arms of any outfielder that the Cardinals ran out there last year. And he year. threw to the right base. All the time. Mark <laughs> Bader was going for the ball. He says, you got it, big yeah, boy. Yeah. <laughs> he knew his limitations. He knew his zone. Hey, you know, how important is it for Cardinals to have good hitting pitchers if we're going to use a lot of pitchers on the staff and we may give up a pinch hitter somewhere along the way? Well, most of them are pretty good hitting pitchers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, good athletes. Wainwright is an excellent hitting pitcher. Uh, Waka is not so good, but no. he, he gets a bunt down now and again. Michaelis hit a couple. He Flaherty's a, couple a good bombs. athlete. I like yeah. Flaherty. Martinez is a pretty good hitting pitcher. John Gant, not so good. <laughs> Even though hey, he hit he a couple hit, of balls. Him, right? yeah. But well, he's not a good hitting well, pitcher. What did he say? My goal was to make contact tonight, and contact was made. <laughs> <laughs> I think he said it exactly like that. Yeah. Well, it also means that you've got to have a good bench, too, because yeah. so many teams are flip-flopping their mm-hmm. lineup. And and you're not you may be in the starting lineup, but you're probably not going to be in there in the, the, in the ninth inning. Yeah. Three or four guys will play three or four innings, so they better be good. All right, it's Cardinals countdown to opening day presented by Ameren. Uh, just in our final minute, again, Kamish, give us an idea of what folks are going to see, what they're going to experience on Sunday, January twentieth at the Baseball Writers Dinner. Uh, all right, we'll go. Bob Costas will be honored. Uh, Lee Smith will be honored. Uh, Keith Hernandez, Miles Michaelis, Matt Carpenter. Uh, many rookies, the Harrison Bader, Jack Flaherty, Jordan Hicks, Yairo Munoz, rookie manager Mike Schilt, Mrs. Clemente will be honored, Ozzie Smith and the PGA people will be honored, and John Rooney will be at the uh, at the mic, Rick Horton will be doing some interviews, it'll be outstanding. Um, I think that pretty well covers it. Well, one thing I should cover is that we have been honored, since you used that word, of uh, being with you for the last hour, Rick. Uh, Hall of Famer. Yes. Uh, with us, Rick Hubble. We'll we'll uh, he's gonna, he's we'll talk a, about it. A line, <laughs> a line's forming right outside. <laughs> but but it really is great, great to be with you guys talking Thanks, baseball guys. tonight. No, it's been a blast, and I'll see you soon. Great to have you guys again. MetroTix.com or 534-1111. All the info up uh, on our Twitter as well. Don't miss the Baseball Writers' Dinner. It's been a pleasure, gentlemen. We'll be back to wrap up this 7 o'clock hour next on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Well, it is 2019, and that means you need to get your 2019 Cardinals official calendar. It spotlights the signature artwork of the team. Photographers with a special salute to unbreakable Cardinals records and it's on sale now at St. Louis area retailers or by calling 314-345-9000, 314-345-9000. A big thanks to Rick Hummel and Rick Horton for joining us in studio. Uh, the Baseball Writers Dinner, Sunday, January 20th. You can get your tickets right now. Reserve your seat, reserve your table to relive the Cardinals' best performers. Prices start at just $150 at MetroTix.com or at 534-1111. Next hour, we'll remember Red Shandings. Klaibs will visit with Lee Smith, and we'll hear from Michael Hall. That's all coming up on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne with you. Caller 3 right now. We'll give you a calendar at 531-1120. Caller 3 right now. We're back for Hour 2 on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. All right, back to the field. Base is loaded. The pitch for Yanni. Here it comes. This is the Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron. Swings and hits it deep. Get up, baby. Get up. Get up. It's a grand slam. Oh, a grand slam home run for Yanni Molina. He touches the ball. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. 
Don't forget the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team returns to Bush Stadium on May 16th. Tickets on sale now at cardinals.com slash soccer. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you. Our executive producer is Ben Boyd. Mike Anderson here in our studios. A big thanks to Ann Carroll at the Cardinals Radio Network as well. And our thanks to Rick Hummel and Rick Horton. That was a blast, Clebs. And, man, you can Great draft. way to start 2019 off. Yeah, you know, you'd have a hard time filling out... Uh, a lineup card choosing from all the guys that are going to be at the baseball writers' dinner in a few weeks. Well, I'd like to take a half a dozen of these guys with me into battle and see what happens, uh, young and old. So I, I, you know, when you look at the lineup, Chris, it, it's a very impressive one. And as I said to Rick earlier, they cover quite a few generations when you think about the young guys. But then you also look at guys like Keith Hernandez, who you know, honor. I didn't know it was forty years. When he was the MVP. You want I mean, to talk he about, was, we're talking about Goldschmidt. You want to talk he, about defense, he huh? Yeah, uh, well, he's the best defensive That's first baseman saying. I've ever seen, period. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he could pick it. But when you look at all the young guys that they're honoring and you say to yourself, you know, these guys are pretty good, and they're going to get better, or at least they should get better, which should give us all hope that this team's going to turn things around. Is there a common trait that you've seen, especially over the last, let's even just say five years, a common trait in some of the guys that that come up, and, and for a long time the Cardinals, and even in the early 2010s, you know, they would draft the college pitcher mm-hmm. who maybe would be up in a couple of years, but we're seeing guys like Jack Flaherty and, and Jordan Hicks, uh, really, really young guys in the pitching side. We're seeing position players like Harrison Bader, Paul DeYoung, get out of college and within just two or three Here, years are starting every day. Is there a common trait yeah, to the polish that there have? is? I think it's the way the game is taught and they're homegrown guys. When you look at guys that are going to be the honored. It's taught at every level? Yes. Uh, and I think the most intriguing guy is Jordan Hicks, who only went to double A. He, he didn't go to triple A. Uh, Munoz came from another organization, but he's young enough and got enough ring experience in the minors during his time this year where he's going to probably end up being more of a Cardinal product than what we would remember him as an A product. Hicks, Hicks never even made it to double A. That's, he, that's he, right. He, yeah. only, he pitched 27 innings in Palm Beach in 2017, but the rest, 78 innings, were in Peoria. He has yep. 165 minor league innings, and Klaibs, 60 of those came in rookie ball in short season. <laughs> in 2016. Fast track, fast track for sure. Um, I don't think he disappointed. I still think he's learning how to pitch. I, I don't even think Yachty unleashed him. Like I remember talking to a couple of people this year and a couple of scouts too that said Jordan Hicks wanted to and Yachty wanted to. They could they could probably go out there and darn near strike out the side every inning. Yeah. It would come with maybe a little more erraticism, but the fact that the kind of contact, especially the first half of the year, and he had quite the workload last year, but they were comfortable with that kind of contact because they knew that even if it guys wasn't put the dangerous ball in play, contact, yeah, it was going to go over yeah. the wall. I mean, how many guys really pulled him last year? <laughs> got to be quick. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so yes. you know, you almost have to get a running start. And so I, I look at that and I say to myself, all right, all these guys walked away learning a lot about the big leagues, and the question is, how do you perfect that in the off season? Now, I'm not the biggest proponent that everybody's got to go out and lift weights until they're you know, 10 pounds, 15 pounds bigger and maybe a little too tight, uh, I think it's still about learning how to pitch because I, th- I think that especially Flaherty and Hicks, 
are two guys in huts, and they they have to pitch, well, not Klaibs, throw. Claves, despite his age and despite finishing sixth in Cy Young, how much do you think Miles Michaelis learned in his first year back in the Oh, Bears? yeah, yeah. I, you know what, Chris? And that's one guy we're not really talking about right now. I, I think that what Miles so Michaelis did was apply the balance that he was taught in Japan. And if you watched him and you saw enough of him, he had a very easy delivery. And man. I wonder how much Yachty learned about Miles Michaelis. Yeah, it was a good process for both of them. It was pretty impressive, and I'm you know excited. Uh, we'll see here over the next uh, a couple of weeks and into camp what the Cardinals do. We've got one minute before we're going to talk a little Red Chandings, Clay, but it seems like uh, still potentially intrigued by a left-handed bat, uh, depending on where that would fit in, and, and maybe, you know, never turned on to look at pitching, right? No, you don't. And what's interesting is you say that, there was this rumor going around the Cardinals might be interested in Corey Kluber. I'm not. I'm sorry, Keiko, Dallas Keiko, the left-hander from from Houston. And you say, well, wait a minute, we got enough. Well, no, you, you never, never have enough. enough. And then what could that do with some of the your young arms that you could throw in the bullpen and help bring them be, along? Oh my or, goodness, oh, I wouldn't <laughs> be opposed to that. And that'd be fun, right? I'll take it. Could you imagine having Michaelis, Keiko? I don't know what you're going to do with Martinez, Flaherty. but Flaherty, Waka, I mean, yeah. my goodness. You could do a lot of things. Yep, you could. I like what we have, though, already. It's it, a good start. It's it's a great start. You can see a lot of them at the Baseball Writers Dinner, Sunday, January 20th. Go to MetroTix.com or call 534-1111. All right, coming up this hour, we're going to remember Red Shane Deans. Then our next segment here from some Hall of Famers, as well as John Mozeliak on Red. We'll chat with Hall of Famer Lee Smith. That comes your way. At about 8.30, Michael Hall is going to tell us about winter warm-up. All of that and more in the second hour of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. With Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby, Ben Boyd, our executive producer, Mike Anderson in the house. And we're back talking red after this in the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Ameren, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Rolling along in the second hour of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren with Mike Claiborne. I'm Chris Raby. Hey, don't forget Cardinals 5, 6, and 10 game ticket packs are on sale now and feature 2019's top games and promotional dates. Choose from the Opening Day pack, the Jersey pack, the Bobblehead pack, Cubs pack, and more ticket packs start at just $79. Get yours at cardinals.com slash packs. Well, Claves, as we turn the calendar to 2019, it's hard to believe that this weekend, uh, it'll be seven months since the passing of Red Shane Deanst. Happened last year, June 6th, uh, right here uh, in St. Louis and at the ballpark to hear and talk to so many people, hear so many memories, hear what Red meant to so many people, whether you met him, whether you knew him well, whether you watched from afar, it was remarkable. You know, um, we've had so many great players that play in the Cardinal organization, but Red was everything that so many you know what mike shannon would say when he would travel people would always ask hey how's red and even for me and and players who played in st louis they'll they'll always ask hey how's red shane dean so how was red shane deans and he had an impact on so many people in in a genuine way where you you were around him chris he wasn't a yeller and a screamer he wasn't anything like that but you know he had a very calming influence on people and was just a great student of the game. And we were blessed to have him sit in our booth um, virtually every night. And he'd watch the game, and he could almost predict what could happen in a lot of cases. So I, I was blessed to be around him that long. Plus, 
He might be one of the five funniest people I know. Yeah, he, he had did. a joke about everything. And some incredible stories, starting with joining the Cardinals. I got out of service, and I came to St. Louis and uh, joined the Cardinals in spring training where uh, we uh, trained in Carroll, Illinois. At that time, the war was just getting over with, and uh, we got rained out. There's three rivers that run into Carroll were flooded and the seepage went right into the diamond up to your knees to where we were supposed to play. We came back to the old sportsman's park and had spring training. And Stan tells me the story. He was still in the Navy at the time when I got out and he got out about a month or so later. And the funny thing, I wore number two all my life here in St. Louis. But my first year, I had number six. I had my usual number. And Stan told me, he's, of course, we roomed together for 10 years. Stan says, Red, he says, you know, I was still in the Navy, and I was following you in 1945 when you were playing. He says, you played pretty damn good. He says, I didn't know if I was going to get my number back. Stan Musial and Red Shandienst. Wow. Incredible. What a combination. They were on and off the field. Uh, they were best friends. And uh, they just had so much going. I got a quick red story. Do we have time for a quick Absolutely. one? Absolutely. So this was a few years ago. The Cardinals had this young player that everyone thought was going to be a phenom. And so I asked Red, I said, hey, Red, have you seen him yet? And he said, well, I'm going over, to, I'm going over now to take a look at him. And so we get in this little golf cart. We ride to the backfield. And we watch for about 15, 20 minutes. And uh, I said, yeah, he's, he's, he looks okay. He looks like he could be okay. Red didn't say anything. And I brought it up again about five minutes later. And then the third time when I brought it up, he just looked at me deadpanly and said, can't play. <laughs> <laughs> and he was right. Honesty. Uh, I won't mention the player's name, but Red was spot on about this guy. And uh, he was a man of few words, when he, but he got his point across. This is a guy we're wasting our time with down here. Yeah, and of course, on and off the field, Red understood what it meant to be a Cardinal. They treat you right, and I know all organizations. That I was with the Milwaukee Club, you know, uh, for a couple of years, and they got a great organization, most of them are. But, you know, I was pretty fortunate to come up with the Cardinals, and I've been here uh, all my baseball career except for about four or five years, and and uh, I enjoyed uh, everything. Although there's a lot of change, you know, there's been a few owners since I've been up here, you know, I guess four at least, and, uh, and uh, different managers, but... Uh, all in all, it, it carries through pretty good. Uh, I think the fans has a lot to do with it in St. Louis and uh, uh, how they uh, go about everything. Uh, there's baseball fans in every town. A lot of them know baseball, and I think St. Louis, with the fans the way they are, they got a pretty good idea how the ball game should be played, and I, I think that's what makes them good fans. And on the ball game being played the right way. You know, that's what... I was taught to do that. I was pretty fortunate in that little town I come from. We had some guys there by the name of uh, E.P. Roach. He was a good organizer, and he knew the ba uh, baseball. And uh, we only played on Sundays, and that was it. But you learned a lot from guys that uh, knew the game at that particular time and, and uh, with all the rest of the kids that we had. There were a lot of good-looking ball players around that part of the country in our day, but a lot of them didn't go out to play. And, 
you know, at that time there was uh, minor leagues were pretty tough, and there wasn't no money in them days, you know, and and uh, then the big leagues there was only eight teams in each league, American and National, so uh, it, it was come to uh, tough to come up to the big leagues. Also, it wasn't not like now. There's a lot of a lot of big league clubs, and some of them might be coming up too early, but uh, they're here. Clibs, I think that's the thing. It's it's one thing to just play, but to play the right way, to, to do things the right way, and then to have figures like Red and, and so many others remain in the organization, uh, George Kissel, you know, um, pass that along and explain what that means both on and off the field is invaluable. Yeah, there's no question about it, and I think that's what separates the Cardinals from a lot of teams. I, I think when you look at the Cardinals and the Dodgers and the Yankees, Red Sox, uh, teams that have had great tradition, they've been able to keep those guys around. They may not be household names, but people within the organization know how important they can be uh, in assessing talent and also teaching. I mean, every spring training you see on the walls, but you hear from players names like Shane Deanst and Kissel and Ricketts and, and the fact that these guys still talk about what these guys mean to them every day. Is pretty remarkable. So what did red mean to so many? We'll hear from a couple right now, including first Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Moselock, with you. You know, when I think of red, and, and people ask me about him all the time, but to me, he's just a prince of a man. He's he's just kind, generous. He's been a mentor, a teacher, uh, someone that gives you a shoulder to cry on when you need to, frankly, from time to time. Um, whenever things are, are going well, he's always has a smile on his face. When things are going bad, guess what? He always has a smile on his face. And he's just, he, he's so much a part of the St. Louis Cardinals organization, I just couldn't imagine not seeing him at the ballpark. And when I see him, it's, it's, it always just lightens my day. And he's that kind of person. And I think not only how he impacts me as a person, but just players, our coaches, our manager. He just makes everybody else feel good, and that makes it special. And for Red as a person, and you know him, he's not a guy that's going to run in your office or run up to you and confront you about something he saw. If you ask him, he'll give you a very educated opinion of what he's seen, but he doesn't overbear or really overdo or overspend his welcome. Well, you know, Red is respectful for many reasons, but he has sat in my chair, he sat in Mike's chair, he sat in players' chairs. He knows what it's like, and so he's the last guy to tell you how to do your job unless you ask. And if you ask, he's going to be helpful, but he he gets it. And um, again, I, I think the way he treats the organization and how he feels a part of it is just so special and uh, you know truly an ambassador of baseball but also an ambassador of the Cardinals and we're just all lucky to have him around. And how about a couple of his fellow Hall of Famers? First, Tony LaRusso. If you ever go in my office, my favorite absolute favorite possession is a poster. It's got red in uniform with his fungo and the caption is his number is retired but he's not. It's a great poster. I look at it every day, you know, and I admire it, man, because I get a chance to be around Red all these years. Well, here's what Red does at times, like lately. <laughs> if Red's not happy with the way I'm managing, he pulls the poster off my door. <laughs> As he walks out, he says, when you deserve it, you get it back. 
and also Ozzie Smith. Red has been such a staple here in St. Louis for, for so long in baseball. And it's just been his, his influence and his being around, his knowledge of the game has, has always been something he's been willing to import with all of the other players. And having people like that around, I think it's what bends to the lore of what St. Louis baseball is all about. Glibs, I think we can agree there will never be another Red Chain Deans, but certainly plenty uh, continue to be impacted by him on a day-to-day basis. And uh, he's going to be remembered forever around baseball and the St. Louis Cardinals and also this community. There, there certainly won't be in my lifetime. Um, th- those sort of people come along every 100 and 120 years, I would guess. <clears throat> it, it's just uh, I, I think the, the blessing here is that we had a chance to be around him, and we all took something positive away from him. But, you know, th- there won't be another red. Well, another Hall of Famer is going to join us next. Lee Smith, that comes up after this break. It's Cardinals countdown to opening day. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne with you. And we're back after this on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the countdown to opening day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Cardinals countdown to opening day presented by Amron along with Mike Claiborne. I'm Chris Raby. Claibs, we just reflected on uh, the career, the life of Red Shane Deanst and now another Hall of Famer, Lee Smith. He got the call when we were at the winter meetings last month. Wow, incredible. I know just something that means so much to so many people, and uh, I know especially you were just so thrilled to see Lee get that call that is long overdue but finally came. Finally came for Lee Smith, and it's interesting you mentioned Red Shandies. That was one of the fun things Lee talks about, uh, Mr. Red Shandies, as he called him. And I've got a great picture. It's Red, Lee Smith, Mike Shannon all together. And it's one of my favorites. And Lee has the same picture. He says it's on my phone. It's, I look at it every day. Here he is, Lee Smith, the Hall of Famer who joined Clips. You had a good run here, and you played with the likes of Hall of Famer Ozzie Smith. You played for a Hall of Fame manager, Joe Torrey. Well, did you also get a taste of Whitey also while you were here? Uh, just a little bit. Just a little bit, man. And uh, Whitey, Whitey was always one of my favorites from that other side because he was one of the premier guys of learning how to use that bullpen. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that was the one thing that I prided myself. And I, that, For me, Whitey was trying to get me probably two or three years before I ended up in St. Louis. And... But they had a young fellow by the name of Todd. Well, Red wasn't too bad in his own, you know. So, so that I think hindered. But when Todd got hurt, and then I, he got an opportunity to get that deal, Todd was my setup man. You know, it's sort of tough to pitch when a, your setup man throw harder than you do. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But but the thing is, when I got there, the the things that I learned from, you know, those guys on that team with Ozzy. You know, and the guys teaching me, uh, uh, I was still learning. I was still on the job learning that was from the guys like that about pitching situations and things like that. And I'm seeing Ozzy back there look like he's calling my pitches. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> it was just those things that I really, really look at. But uh, when I got there with Joe Torrey, the one thing with Joe, Joe didn't say a whole lot. Joe just had that look on your face that you don't want to go in his office. You know, he, he had that look, you know, like like he could uh, kill a whole family and go have a big breakfast, you know. So <laughs> I tried to stay out of Joe's office as much as I possibly could, but he was one of my favorites. You know, it's funny. That that was a team that was maybe a little short on talent at the time, mm-hmm. but you seemed, and, and some of the other guys had a lot of fun, uh, and, and you were having fun winning when you could, but you guys acted like professionals on and off the field, which was something I, I thought maybe uh, a lot of teams who were short on talent didn't do enough of. 
Yeah, but we we was we were somewhat a little short on talent. But you know, we had some young guys, man. We had like Lankford was rookie. Yeah, uh, Gilkey. You know, Willie got traded. You know, so we had uh, Felix Jose. We didn't know what he was saying, but he wanted to play. <laughs> you know, but we had a lot of young guys there and was trying to learn to play together. You know, I, I think the the key guys was probably Jose Okendo and and Ozzy held the team together, and when we had Todd Zeal was like in between position, whether he was going to be a catcher or a um, third baseman. You know, or a third baseman. And when Tom Pagnazzi came there, that's when I think the team, you know, you know, good up the middle. You know, when we had Pags and Ozzy and Jose and then Langford got some time in and, and things like that, we were like on the corners, you know, we were sort of up in the air a little bit because one day Todd would play uh, uh, third and then he would go to uh, and catch. And then we had Pedro at at, um, at first, so we were sort of like a sort of a makeshift team with a lot of rookies, and uh, we had some injuries the pitching staff with Joe McGrain and guys like that. But we had a fundamentally sound baseball team, and that helped. But we were like I said, we were short with talent from like Pittsburgh and all those guys when they had Barry and all those fellas in the back, you know, with Strawberry and guys like that. So there was a lot of things that we were sort of short on. But I, I think the education that I got. Playing with those that, uh, those guys in that city was unbelievable, and that's still at the top of my list for some one of the places that I played. You mentioned Pete Guerrero. You know, there was a time where he might have been as good of a right-handed hitter as the National League had working for him at one point. Hey, I tell you, man, him and Ozzy used to go at it all the time. Man. They would have <laughs> me rolling. I remember Pedro. Pedro would get a hold of the ball. Like, I remember he owned like not good. And Pedro would get a hold of one man and hit it in the gap, man. And Pedro would go and he flipped the bat, go to his home run trot, and the ball wouldn't even make warning tracks, you know. <laughs> and Ozzy would give him a hard time. Boy, we ain't in Dodger Stadium no more. We in St. Louis. <laughs> I remember Pedro's his favorite saying would be, "Man, this place is gonna cost me the Hall of Fame." <laughs> I love the ball he was hitting St. Louis. Man. It was unbelievable. I was all oh, those guys. Had, now that right there was. That was like some fun members of my whole career, listening to those guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've heard so many stories about you guys playing together, and it, it sounded like you guys couldn't wait to get to the ballpark because you knew somebody was going to say something to get something started. Oh, my God, yes. It was it was unbelievable. I mean, I think I think between Pedro and Langford, I think Ozzy could have had his own stand-up comedian show every day at that ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> They were so gullible, man. It was unbelievable. <laughs> but I, I just loved getting there, man. I actually hung out with the players more so than I did the pitching staff because they were more fun, man. <laughs> was that you? You mentioned Chicago. St. Louis was maybe one of your more fun places. The that because oh, you have a lot of friends still here in St. Louis. Oh God, yeah, man. But you know the the, the one thing about the city of, uh, of St. Louis is so much like Lee Smith personality, you know. It's, it's got that, you know, the city thing, but it's laid back, you know, it's laid back atmosphere. That's the one thing that I love about St. Louis. And and not taking anything from any of the fans or anywhere in the country, but that whole city, state of Missouri was sort of somewhat like Lee Smith. It's like laid back, but they understood the game of baseball. I, I remember a game where Joe McGrain pitched in, and we were playing Pittsburgh, and we were like winning like two to one, and yeah, man, a couple of guys hit one off the plate, and one had a swing, and but we end up losing the game, and they get like a standing ovation. And I'm like, wow, uh, you wouldn't see this here in Chicago, Boston, where I just came from, man. They'd be throwing rocks at your car, leaving the park, man. But they knew 
that there was nothing anyone could have did about it. You know, they would, there wasn't, in fact, like, wait, why didn't you bring Smitty in to close again? They could have did the same thing with me out there. So the fans understood that, you know, and and uh, it was like just one of those things that I really enjoy about the city every chance I get a chance to come back there. Chicago, I love going to Chicago. There's a lot of places that I played at that I really enjoyed it. And the fans of all over the country where I played, I just wanted to say thank you to them. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up your old buddy, Buddy Bates, uh, the Cardinal equipment oh. manager. <laughs> and and I, I know you probably remember the story about one of the home runs you gave up one time. And Buddy had that oh. sense of humor that only a few people could get. And he oh, he, he could yeah. sting you when you were most vulnerable. Uh, you remember that story? Oh, I remember, buddy. I remember the Bates man coming out there in the dugout. Because any time, if I didn't pitch well, I would sit in the dugout and think about the game a little bit for a few minutes, and and Buddy would come in there and ask me, "Hey, big fella, how'd you hold that one?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Man, he'd get me laughing." We, I just walk out like, "Man, him and him and CJ Sherry, man, those guys like that was boy, they was awesome." But Bates, he knew how to, he knew that players, and he, I mean, he was like one of the players to be back because he would come in there and make you laugh about things like that where you wouldn't care that home with you. He was like, "Boy." You got to be real strong to throw one that for us, minute. But it just things like that, man, that, uh, that I, I loved about the city with him. You know, and when you think about the tradition that the Cardinals had, uh, how much fun was it when you'd walk in and there's Mike Shannon, who had been a World Series champion, and, and who could yeah. forget Red Shane Dingston and the impact oh, yeah. he's had on so many people that have put that Cardinal uniform on? I, my God, yeah. Man, I can remember my locker, Red Shane Dingston. It's like uniform number two sitting right over right over the top of my locker. I'm like, man, I'm in a pretty good spot right here, you know. And <laughs> they like and you. Just, you yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? It was just it was just one of those things those guys would come in and they didn't act like Hall of Famers. They act like your friend, your teammate, the coaches. They didn't come in there and say, Hey, you got to say, Hey, Mr. Chain thing he's like, Boy, call me Red because I remember uh Red found out that I like hunting and fishing. And so he's like, hey, boy, we gotta go. we got to go hunting one day. So I'm glad I'm like, man, i got to go get my good credit card. I'm going to hang out with Red Chains <laughs> and get me a gun and everything. And we come rolling up in the parking lot of Kmart. And I'm like, all right, now that's my bar right here. <laughs> so it was just those things like that that I loved about it. They were simple people like me. Before we get out of here, you're yeah. going to be here for the baseball writers' dinner. And I know that once that was announced, uh, tickets started to go pretty quick. You mentioned how okay. important St. Louis was for you, uh, yes. and how that impact uh, that that writers' dinner is a big deal, especially for oh, St. Louisans and for you to be part of it. And I get the feeling that we'll see Lee Smith a little bit more in St. Louis, so that yeah. means we'll have to gather you up and uh, get with Mike Shannon, and we'll do a show and uh, we can tell some real stories that particular. That night. sounds good to me, man. Again, congratulations to Lee Smith. It'll be remarkable to see him get the call. Hey, the Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up will be on Saturday, January 19th through Monday, January 21st. Purchase warm-up admission tickets and autographed tickets at cardinals.com slash WWU. We'll talk winter warm-up when we come back. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Ameren on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. 
Well, it's that time of the year again because the winter warm-up is just around the corner, and with us is Vice President and also in charge of Cardinals Care, Michael Hall. Well, here we are. Another winter warm-up is here. Give me an idea of what to expect this year in 2019. I would expect a lot of the same things that we've had in the past, Mike. You know, this year is it's going to be fun. we got a couple uh, new acquisitions to the team that, yes, that will be uh, attending this year, and we're excited about that. You know, just enjoying a fan fest, enjoying Cardinal fans getting together, families coming, getting together all in one spot, all of us in one place, and just really talking and enjoying baseball. It's amazing that so many teams have now tried to adapt this concept. And I talk to friends who broadcast for other teams, and they, they marvel at when I tell them the numbers they continue to come through St. Louis, and they're like, we just have gatherings. We don't have conventions like this. We're definitely lucky and, and very appreciative of our fans. Uh, you know, uh, first and foremost, from for us internally, this is a fundraiser. It's a fundraiser for the foundation, and uh, it's our, our biggest one of the year, and it sets the tone for the year. So uh, we're fortunate to, to have the support that we have uh you know, for our fans that follow us during the season, but of course, uh, uh, following us and supporting us at this event as well. It's always great. It's always been well attended and um, it, it's fun to see everybody. How many years now? This will be the 23rd. 23 years and you've dealt with ice storms, cancellations, you name it. And yet these fans just continue to show up. Give me something that I, and everybody talks about the autographs and things of that nature. What's one of the cooler things you can recommend a fan take in this year? One is being in and around the kids area. We have a dedicated room um, on level two that is our kids area. And it's, uh, we have several of our partners that are there doing different activities, providing different activities, games, things for kids. Um, our vendor area is also, it's a neat area. It's right next to the kids area where we have several other uh, uh, folks that are here that, that have different memorabilia, not just Cardinal memorabilia, not just baseball memorabilia, but uh, a lot of different shops, if you will, uh, right next to the kids area. So it's always fun to walk in and around that area and see the fans interacting with some of the other folks that have things to offer at the warm-up. Um, you mentioned the autographs, and that's obviously a big draw, the opportunity to, to be in and around the players and the alums and the Hall of Famers. But, you know, just the event itself, if you haven't been to the warm-up, I'm sure, or at least I hope, people have heard about it, um, but maybe you haven't attended, bring your family. It's a, it's a fun, family-friendly environment, an opportunity to come down, be downtown. There's a lot of baseball talk the entire weekend. It's an opportunity for really everyone within the Cardinals organization and Cardinals care to, to have their fingerprint on the event. It's a total team effort to, to put this thing together. So as a fan, you'll have an opportunity to interact with several different things as it pertains to Cardinals baseball. You know, you mentioned this is an all-hands-on-deck event from Bill DeWitt all the way down to the Bat Boys. Everybody is involved in this event. So if there's something special you're looking at, this is the place to come. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of the things I should mention is not only do we have separate breakout rooms where we have different representatives from the organization that will take question and answers, give uh, presentations, if you will, and, and spend some time with fans on a more uh, secluded or private area. We also have front office staff and, and, and front office executives that will speak and do Q&A from the main stage. So that's also something that we get a lot of feedback from the fans that they enjoy is just being able to hear some different perspective. You know, of course, 
course, you always have the fans that want to talk to John Mozeliak or Michael Gersh about what are you doing with the team and who you trading? You trade right, that when type of thing. Sign that guy? Exactly. Yeah. But we'll also have executives like Dan Farrell, who does some time and spends some time talking about some of the marketing and some of the ticketing and some of the giveaway items and things of that nature. More like the behind the scenes mm-hmm. of the business that fans uh, really enjoy hearing. And so those are things that have always been popular. You know, we talk so much about Cardinals Care and its contribution to the community on both sides of the river. Fans who want to know where this money is going, they can go out and see for themselves firsthand, whether it's the ball fields or the grants that you guys pass on. How many grants do you guys have available for different organizations in the area? Yeah, so uh, we have a grant process. We do it twice each year. And our grants we give to other nonprofits in the area that support kids. Uh, Our grants are uh, on the smaller end, they're between a thousand and three thousand uh, dollars. But each year, we'll give anyway from a hundred to a hundred and thirty, hundred forty, sometimes hundred fifty grants, uh, just depending on on the requests and or the need. And when you see how many people that touches. It, it, you say to yourself, this is why we do it, because there's so many people that are affected. Uh, this isn't just about garnering new baseball fans. This is about helping people that we see every day. Yeah, one of the more rewarding things that I get a chance to be a part of um, is our grant ceremonies. And uh, that is when we distribute the funds to the grant applicants. And just to be able to hear how the money's being used, and a lot of times they'll bring some of the kids that, that the money's going towards, and, and just getting the feedback from those organizations and spending some time with them at those grant ceremonies is always, it makes you feel really good that, that these events, like the winter warm-up and some of our other form, fundraisers that we put on, is helping bring that money in so we can give it back to the community. All right, give me the details, when, where, and how, and how much. The event is January 19th through the 21st at the Hyatt downtown. It is $40 for adults and $10 for kids, and that is for a three-day pass. And so uh, that's- You can go back and forth as much as you need to. Absolutely, Uh, for all three days. Um, admission tickets are on sale online at w. Excuse me, cardinals.com slash. You're dating yourself. Yes, here. I am. Yes, I am. Slash WWU, uh, as well as admission tickets. Uh, we had talked about the autograph. Uh, excuse me, the autograph tickets are also online. We had talked about being able to get an autograph from your favorite players and things of that nature. Uh, quite a few of the guys have sold out, but there's still quite a few that are available with a limited quantity, and that's at cardinals.com slash WWU as well. And the newest additions in Paul Goldschmidt and Andrew Miller, this will be the first time they'll have a chance to be part of this. Yes, and uh, we're really excited. You know, hopefully, which – Based on the past years, I feel pretty good about it, but hopefully fans will come out and they'll be excited to, to see them and welcome them uh, to, to our city and to our team. Uh, we're really looking forward to it, and um, you know I'm, I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. Michael Hall, thank you so much, and let's have good weather and great turnout. Make your plans to head south this winter for sunny skies, warm beaches, and Cardinals baseball. Packages are available to fit everyone's schedule and budget. Make your reservations at cardinals.com slash vacations or call 1-800-892-7687. Thank you to Michael Hall. We will see everyone at winter warm-up in just a couple of weeks. A quick break, and we're back to wrap things up on this edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.